You're listening to Diferente with me, Maribel Quesada Smith. This is part two of episode 134 with Danielle Town. Hey, before we get any further, I want to thank you for listening and sharing this content with others. I'm assuming you like Diferente. So, have you written a review yet? These reviews help us reach more people with inspiring content. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, all you have to do is press pause right now, scroll down until you see the five stars, and below the first review you see, you can click on write a review. It will take you 30 seconds to let me know why you listen to Diferente and what topics you'd love to hear about on the show. If you're on another platform, just look for the ratings and reviews section. Thank you again for listening. Let's get back to the show. Yo quiero, yo quiero dinero. In part one of this episode, my guest, Danielle Town, shared how she went from a career that was making her sick, literally, to building wealth on her own terms by learning to manage her own investments. She faced her fears, quit her job, and wrote a manual to help others take control of their wealth. Because of this episode, I started looking at investing as a new type of side hustle, or maybe just a new hobby that will generate income instead of simply depleting your wallet. And in this episode, you're going to learn a lot about how it doesn't take a genius to actually make decisions about your financial freedom and invest your money in the companies that are doing the things that you believe in. Because after all, remember, we vote with our money. Bienvenidos. Welcome to Diferente. My name is Maribel Quesada-Smith. I'm an expert at questioning everything who wants to bring more color into your life. I'll be coming at you every week with a little humor and a mountain of passion to share with you stories and ideas related to life, culture, creativity, and business that will inspire all of us to explore different perspectives. Don't be surprised if you find yourself motivated to shake things up. That's known to be a side effect of the Diferente life, and it's contagious. Now let's get to it. I want to talk a little bit about the market. I have so many issues with the market, especially after 2008, because yeah. it just seems like such a game to me, almost almost designed to confuse people. But you make it sound so friendly Girl, and I am easy. with you. <laughs> it does seem con designed to confuse people. I agree. Yeah. What, what do you say to people who don't trust investing? Oh, I say I'm one of you. <laughs> I mean... In the stock market, let me take it away from investing for a second, okay. because I think actually the word investing is misused a lot. Uh, the stock market itself is unpredictable. It's confusing. We are talked to about it by people with ulterior motives who want to get paid high fees in order to invest our money for us. Yeah. And the the CNBCs and the financial news of the world are there to sell advertising and get our eyeballs on the screens. And I just don't think any of that stuff is useful at all. So to be an actual investor is to be different than the people who follow all of that stuff because the people who follow all of that stuff are speculating in the short term. Mm. They do not know what's going to happen and they're taking a guess that somebody, and this is the greater fool theory, the somebody else will buy that stock from them for a higher price, although they don't know why, <laughs> or whatever they're thinking is going to happen, they're just hoping 
that it's going to happen, but they don't have great ideas behind it. What a long-term value investor does is actually invest with a high degree of certainty in companies that clearly have good cash flow. Not just companies, by the way. My dad always gets on me about this because I'm always thinking about public companies, but a company, a piece of real estate, a private company, whatever it is, any sort of business that puts off cash flow. If you invest in something that's generating money, then you have a high and and it meets other criteria that we go into in great detail um, in my book and in my podcast, and I, I can go into that stuff. Then you will have a high degree of certainty in that investment. And without having to time it, because I don't know how to time it, I don't trust the market. I don't know why things go up and down like they do. Without having to time it, I know that in the long term, in a 10-year, 15-year time horizon, at some point that company's stock price is going to reflect the value that's in the company. Mm. And that's what investing is. And that's what you mean by Warren Buffett value investing, right? That's what I mean by Warren Buffett value investing. Yeah. And I always say Buffett style value investing because there's other kinds of value investing out there that involve buying hundreds of companies and just making sure you get them cheaply and not really paying any attention to the other factors that I mentioned. So Mm -hmm. I'll go, I'll just rattle them off quickly and we can talk Mm -hmm. more about them if you like. But this comes straight from Charlie Munger, who is Warren Buffett's investing partner. And Buffett always says he's smarter than him. So (laughs) he says there's four principles of value investing. The first one is to make sure that you can understand the business, that you can understand what's going on here, that you can have a sense of what this company does and why the decisions they're making are good or bad. Then secondly, it has to be a business that has some intrinsic, durable, competitive advantage but generally that's called the moat, like a moat around a castle. So what protects this business from competition in a way that's intrinsic to it, that's very, very hard to breach. So that even if I took a huge amount of money and went and started a competing business, it would be really hard for me with my competing business to even remotely get close to this other business because they have this moat. Okay. And there's, and there's five different moats, and we go into them in our book, so it's not a mysterious thing. <laughs> um, the third one is that the business, Charlie always says, we would like for the business to have management with integrity and talent. And I, he always says we would like it to be like that rather than <laughs> we have to have it like that. And the reason for that is that people are unpredictable. Yeah. Who knows what's going on with somebody? So you do the best you can. I think studying management is some of the most interesting stuff about investing. Um, and, and you just try to get a sense of these people. Like, what are they all about? What are their incentives? Are they in it for the long term? Are they in it for the right reasons? Or are they trying to just get a golden parachute and get a private jet and take all the money out of this company that they can? And there's a lot of people out there like that. So you got to be careful. So you found a great company. It's run by great people. You totally get it. You understand what they're doing. Then, even then, you do not buy that company unless you can get it at a 50% discount to its actual value, which sounds a bit weird, but think about it like this. So if I find like a, I don't know, a designer dress and it's at Saks and it's $500, 
And then, and I'm like, oh, I love that dress, but I'm not going to spend $500 on it. Mm -hmm. And then I find the exact same dress at TJ Maxx and it's half price. Oh, I love it when that happens. (laughs) I know, right? And it's the same dress. Nobody's going to say, oh, that dress actually has lower value because you paid less. Mm -hmm. No, it's the same dress. So think about it the same way with companies where just because the price of a company or the price of real estate or the price of a private company is down from where the value is, it doesn't mean that the company is actually worth less. It just means you're getting it on sale. Mm. So we want to get companies on sale because, you know, things happen. We might be wrong. We might have timed it badly because I have no idea how to time things. So you get it at a discount and then that way you have a margin of safety that protects you. Okay. That's a lot. That's a lot. <laughs> I think people are definitely going to have to read the book. <laughs> I rattled them off for you. It's a no, lot no, no, but it's great. No, but it's great. It's very interesting stuff. But I think it's important to say that stuff yes. because because otherwise it does it does sound like this world is impenetrable. It's to me it always felt like this sort of gray fog of mysteriousness and I didn't want to walk into that gray fog cuz I didn't want to lose my money mm-hmm. at all. Like nobody wants to lose their money. Yeah. When you can have a roadmap of here's what you do and here's how you do it and when you do those things you will have a very high degree of confidence that you're going to do well. Then it becomes fun. My, my current approach to investment is the money's going to my retirement account and I don't look at it. <laughs> I pray that it grows. <laughs> so is it invested in like a index fund or is it not invested at all? So it's a Roth IRA. So I mm-hmm. have no idea. I mean, I, I, I'm doing it through a company. So Okay. Which means you're paying fees. So yeah, this is what I'm saying. That's the only thing I know. Yeah. And that's the, that's the only thing most people know. It's intimidating for me to think that, wait, I have to invest myself, like pick the companies and wait, how do I even start? And wh- what do I? Yes. It's a well, lot. So, <laughs> honestly, Mary Bell, this is exactly what I'm working on because <laughs> I can't even tell you, like you and everybody else have you read my book, like you hear what I'm saying and then it's like, okay, how do I actually start? start. Yeah. And I totally get it because it is really hard to make that leap to actually start investing. And so here's the important part. You don't have to make that leap right now. All you have to do is start educating yourself, start practicing. There's Mm -hmm. no like moment where you're just going to sort of check a box and go, oh, now I'm Warren Buffett. That's not going to happen. This is all about just the process of learning about how to find good investments and and truly making it like a really good part of your day. And the way that I did that was I just started reading the news. I just started reading the business news, the tech news, um, and really anything that seemed Mm -hmm. relatively interesting to me. And I refused to read anything that was boring. Warren Buffett always says, 
if there's anything that's too hard, he has a box on his, literally a physical box on his desk that's labeled too hard. And <laughs> the legend goes that he puts any companies that are too hard just straight into that box and ignores them forever. <laughs> because why should you bother with anything that's too hard? So I take that very much to heart. And if something's too hard, or in my opinion, equally important, too boring, you just toss it out. You don't have to do it. This isn't mm-hmm. meant to be difficult or painful. I mean, you look around and I guarantee you, you have opinions about public companies right now. You mm-hmm. have perspective on public companies. Whatever phone you have, you know a lot about that company already. So if you just start reading the news getting a sense of what's out there, it, probably a lot of it's going to have a lot of words that don't make sense. Yeah. And I just sort of had to like skim over that stuff. And if it got too boring, I just stopped reading. And literally after two to three months of that, it started to get really interesting because I started to realize that I understood the vocabulary. I started to understand the language that they were using And most excitingly, I started to have opinions about what they were saying in the articles. And that's when it gets fun, because you start to read an article about Apple and you go, wait a second, I think they read that totally wrong. And then all of a sudden, I would realize, oh, this is becoming actually a great part of my life. And that's how it starts. So it doesn't have to be this big leap into like buying a company. You shouldn't even buy a company for a long time. It's really just about education and practice. But when you say buy a company, you don't mean buy a company, like literal sense of buying the entire company, do you? Well, you have to decide to be an owner, not a, not a consumer, not a speculator, not even an investor. I think we have to decide to be owners of these companies because owners get wealthy and owners put their name on the values of a company. So if you own a part of a company, I think we have to act as though we own the whole thing. We evaluate a company as though we own the whole thing. So I think okay. as somebody who tries to put my money where my values are, I mean, I want to be part of companies that are doing things I really support in the world. And I do not want to own companies. I do not want to have my money literally supporting companies that are doing things I disagree with. I don't want my money supporting GMO animal products. I don't want my money supporting bad employee practices. I don't want my money supporting any kind of weapons. You know, these things matter. And my money is a vote. So if I think about it like that, and I realize that somebody else is investing my money, they're voting for me with my money. And I've abdicated that power. That sucks. Yeah, that is not a good feeling. So once I started doing it myself, I started feeling like my own warrior straight from my couch, (laughs) being able to vote with my money. You can do that because that's your full time thing. But how do you? No, 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 no. Okay. It makes no difference how much time you put into it at all. You don't all right, have to now, even now put... you're talking my lane because I don't have time to just invest. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. No, most people are not going to do this as their job. I mean, we all have other stuff going on. Uh-huh. No, no, no. I'm talking about like, I spend like 15 to 20 minutes in the morning reading some news articles and I just sort of bop around. And then on the weekends, um, I'll often research a company That'll take Mm -hmm. a few hours. That's how I did it when I was working my job at the law office. So 
it's definitely not full time. It's a, it's a mindset to think about yourself buying the entire company means that you are going to think really carefully about that decision. I mean, Warren Buffett says you shouldn't buy a company for 10 minutes unless you're going to own it for 10 years. Hmm. I always think about it like you're getting married to this company and I don't want to get divorced. (laughs) I'm going to be with it for the long haul. And when you start to think about it like that, you don't make rash decisions. And again, we're not trying to time the market at all. If we can find a company on sale, which is hard in today's market, yeah. but if we can find a company on sale and it meets all the other criteria, then we buy it. And however much of it you buy doesn't matter. So uh, what percentage of your income right now is derived from these investments? Well, they're very long term. So it's not the kind of thing that is coming in. I mean, I'm getting dividends, but okay. it's not the kind of thing that's coming in um, on a regular basis because... Another thing Buffett says is you don't sell ever. Mm. Now, how does that work, right? Because yeah. you don't sell ever. <laughs> well, the way it works is you only sell if the story of a company changes. Meaning, for whatever reason I purchase that company, as long as that reason, that, that story that I wrote about it, that understanding I have of the company, as long as that's still the same then I'm in the company. I'm with it. If something changes, like it gets new management or they come up with new goals that I think don't follow what that company should be doing, then that story has changed and then I might sell it. But I've had one company that I've sold. So Mm. I made money on that. (laughs) Okay. Okay. But uh, this is very, again, this is long term. So this is more so securing like your retirement. Mm hmm. Yeah. At some point, I'll start, I imagine I'll start making some sort of income from it, but it'll be, it'll, again, it just depends on when you sell companies. And my hope is that I'm not using my capital. Any capital that comes out of investing would then just go straight back into another company. It just is investing money that I'm not going to touch. Gotcha. So, um, because that's how you compound money and compounding money is a life changer. Hey you. Yeah, I'm talking to you. What are you doing with this podcast? Are you sharing it with your friends? Because one of the best ways to let somebody know that you care about them is by sharing thought-inspiring content with them. Like this podcast, where we share stories and experiences that expose us to different perspectives. Here are three easy ways to share the show. You can take a screenshot of this episode and post it on social media, text it directly to anyone in your contact list, or you can also send them the link to our website, diferentepodcast.com. Voila! Super simple. If you like Diferente, the best way to support us is by sharing it, sharing it, and sharing it some more. Now let's get on with the show. Okay, so let me leapfrog a little bit because oh, there's so many things that we could learn during this conversation, but I want to get to a few questions before we wrap up that pertain to entrepreneurship. And one of them is, why should entrepreneurs invest? Why not just save their money to reinvest in their own company? Like if you have a business and you know, you're know you making some money off of it, should you be investing or should you be reinvesting it in your own company? And when you say investing, what you mean is investing in other opportunities in that other are not your own company. Yes. I'm not sure people should be investing in other opportunities. Okay. I think, I think if you are someone who 
is creating a company according to Munger's principles, which I would highly recommend that anybody creating a company really pay attention to because these principles apply regardless of whether it's a public company or real estate or a private company. Entrepreneurs tend to have private companies straight off the bat. So think about making sure that you fully understand your own business. Mm -hmm. Think about whether or not you have an intrinsic and durable competitive advantage. And if you don't, how do you build one? Think about your management. If you're the manager of your own company, are you doing a good job? And mm-hmm. what are your goals? And if you are developing something that you believe in, I think it's great to invest in your own entrepreneurship. Did you save a lot of money before you quit your job? Or what sustainable strategy that you use to be able to kind of jump off into a to- totally different area and just go off on your own? I did. I saved money and I also sold my condo which was in Boulder, Colorado, and I had bought it at the low market and the market went up a lot. So that was really my first investment. (laughs) And, um, and that was part of my, my plan. I figured if I quit my job, I would sell my condo. And I ended up moving in with my mom for a while (laughs) when before (laughs) Nuno and I got married. And I figured if everything blew up with him, I would just figure it out from there. Um, But it didn't blow up, so... Well, you took um, a risk and it paid off. (laughs) I took a big risk and it paid off. That's why you're so good at this. (laughs) That's how I financed the beginning of it was by selling my condo. What do you think is the biggest financial mistake that entrepreneurs make? Well, I think the biggest financial mistake people make is we just ignore financial stuff. And I would bet that even entrepreneurs do that. I mean, I think we can... I just read something just today by a really great personal finance advisor named Stephanie O'Connell, and she was giving advice for solopreneurs. And she said, make sure you can pay the bills, pay attention to cash flow, because bills come in. And I thought that that was such an interesting piece of advice for people who are obviously creating those bills, but are having a hard time connecting you know, the money coming into the money going out. And I think that's just because we get so excited about our idea and we know it's a good idea and we know that people need to have whatever it is we're making. But the connection between that and the actual cash flow, money in, money out, can be missing sometimes. And it's the same kind of thing as with our personal finances and with me, with with ignoring investing. It's just easier not to think about it until we have to. So... I think paying attention to that is pretty important. What is the biggest mistake that you've ever made with your money? (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. You mean like besides ignoring it for 30 years? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I would say that's the biggest mistake. I mean, if I had started learning this stuff from my dad when I was like 15, the compounding power would just be... Uh, so I tell myself that now, you know, when I when I think about that, I'm like, you know what, just start now. Don't let it get away from you. Don't don't look up when you're 45 or 55 or 65 and say, oh, I wish I had those 20 years back. Yeah, um, that's I th- there you go. I think that's the biggest mistake. I think we just we, we ignore how powerful compounding is. And this is why it's so important to me to get into how it's not painful, because I agree that it's painful, but I've found a way for it not to be. And if we can all just find that, then everything changes. 
Yeah, and I, you brought up a good point earlier when we were talking about that, the fact that I am ignoring my investments. Uh, are you saying that basically the best alternative for investing is to do it yourself and not go through a third-party company? Oh, yes. I'm definitely saying that. Uh, maybe I skipped that part when I was getting into how I started investing. Yeah, 100%. If uh, I think that the way to save the most money is to do it yourself and not pay anybody else. Pay no fees. Don't pay any index fees. Don't pay any ETF fees. If you, if you do the work yourself you're going to keep all of the profit yourself. But Danielle, they make it sound so scary and hard. Like when you when you try to start, I, I don't know if you've had this experience ever, but when I started, these companies themselves make it sound like, no, 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 you might yes. make mistakes. No, 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 they just, do. just come to us. And just do you <laughs> think that they have an interest in of you thinking course. that? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. They have a serious interest in you being afraid. I don't want to be afraid anymore. And I don't want these financial companies to be trying to make me afraid. I don't like it. I refuse to take it anymore. And when I see this stuff on TV, it makes me so mad to hear people talking about how I am not competent to invest my own money. That is not true. I am certainly competent to invest my own money. It's just a matter of learning how. That's all. I'm smart enough. I can do it don't scare me. Like I just, ah, I can't stand it. It's just a matter of having a guide, having a teacher, learning what to do and practicing it. That's all. We don't need to pay people. And by the way, most of these people are men who will hide what they're doing. They'll use words that we don't understand. And we don't want to ask about them because... We don't want to make it seem like we don't know what we're talking about. Yeah. I mean, I've certainly been in a room with somebody who was a financial advisor and didn't want to ask them what that word meant <laughs> because I didn't want him to think <laughs> that I was dumb. And this is ridiculous. I'm not dumb. Yeah. And neither are you and neither is anybody listening to this. We can learn this stuff. But the financial industry has a very strong interest in us believing that we can't. And they're wrong. So like when you have your money automatically going to a 401k or whatever through your work, for example, do you have the choice to not, not direct it? Because I think they attract... It's a little more difficult. Yeah. Okay. In the US, um, certain 401ks require you to put money into their pre-approved funds. Yes, and that's the thing. Yeah. And, and I'm not an expert on all the different options there. Um But I know that there are some like that because I had one that was like that. And I, if you can get it out, get it out. Because mm -hmm. then you can control it and you can invest it and you're not going to pay any fees. But then the However, company doesn't match it, right? That's what I was about to say. Exactly. <laughs> if the company matches what you're putting in, then you should put it in because you're just giving up money. Okay. The matching is fantastic. So what Buffett says to do in that situation is find the lowest fee index fund that you can, which is an investment in its own way. So what you're investing in when you buy like the S&P 500, for example, is you're essentially investing in the US. You're investing in the United States economy and that the stock market in the long term is going to go up in the US. And I think that's a good investment. Again, long term, mm -hmm. you know, we're going to have a downturn here in the stock market at some point coming up. A lot of people think we're in a bubble right now. 
So you got to be in it for a while and you got to realize what you're investing in. But as long as you're doing those things and if you're doing it to get the match, then I think that's a good idea. Again, I'm not an investment advisor. And if you need to talk to your investment advisor to really get an understanding of it, then I highly recommend that you do that. Has your perspective on investing changed since you moved outside of the country? Because you mentioned the S&P 500. So that's the US. How do you feel about the US economy now that you're on the outside? It's a good question. It's definitely made me more aware that there are other stock markets out there. In the US, generally, I mean, again, like I, you know, I was a beginner at this, but my sense of the stock market was the US stock market. And there, you know, you hear about other ones occasionally, but when people talk about the market, that's what they're saying. They're saying the New York Stock Exchange and the NASDAQ. And so now that I live in Switzerland, I have some sense of the European stock markets. Frankly, the US still kind of runs the world in a sense. And people will have problems with me saying that because obviously (laughs) the Japanese stock market is very important. The London Stock Exchange is very important. But as an American living abroad, I still generally pay attention to the US markets. Okay. Have you diversified more since living abroad? No, I I don't diversify. Oh, part of Buffett style long term investing is that you buy a very few number of companies. And the reason for that is, I mean, you can buy more if you can find more, but it's really hard to find amazing, wonderful companies run by great people at a really good price. It's hard to find those companies. So most investors who do this kind of thing will have 70% of their portfolio in three or four companies. Maybe, oh, okay. maybe in two companies, maybe in one company. And then they'll have little bits in other companies because they're just trying it out, what I call practice shares, just to practice and see how it feels and see if they want to buy some more. Diversification is, is not necessary if you've chosen companies that you're truly investing in and not speculating in. Mm. Okay. Well, this has been a really good conversation. I wish we had more time, but I have two. I do two. too. Well, I hope you know that what? I've convinced you to maybe start a little bit of investing practice, maybe just reading the news. <laughs> no, yeah, you have. You really have. I just, like, like you said, it's about fear and we just have to break through that fear of thinking that we're not smart enough to take on this knowledge. Yeah, but doesn't that make you mad? You it are does. smart enough. No, you're right. It does. It does. And that I think that's part of the reason. Like there's this there's a little bit of distrust and anger that I have towards the market and that plays into it. Also the fact that yeah. it's run by a lot of white males. Um yeah. <laughs> and who don't always make the best decisions for the country that gets or me for their so companies. Like- that gets me so fired up. I'm like, I want to change that. Yeah. And if you invested, and if I invested, and if the people we're friends with invested individually in the companies we think are doing good things, and if we all did that, just like voting, we would change this market. We would change it within a year. The companies that were doing bad stuff would no longer have shareholders mm. and their stock prices would dive and they would lose their jobs and it would happen very quickly. This is not some imaginary scenario. This would happen if we all did it. And so I, wanna, I want us to change this market and 
by changing the market, we can change ourselves and our own lives. There's there's no downside to doing this. Yeah, because in the end, money rules. So you vote with your exactly. money. Exactly. So two more questions for you. What is your passion and how do you define success? You know, this sounds crazy, but my passion is now learning about companies. I just love it. And sometimes I sort of look at myself and go like, I'll, I, I'll spend a day being busy and I, I won't read about anything um, going on with any companies or any investing news. And at the end of the day, I feel sad. I feel like I missed it that day. And I'm like, who am I? Like, What has <laughs> happened to me? I'm being taken over by pod people or something. But it's true. I really, I miss it when I don't do it. Um, and what was the other one? How do you How define, do you define success? success? Yeah. For me, that's a great question. And for me, success is about being happy and grounded and feeling satisfied. Um, awesome. It's not, it's not about some dollar figure. It's just about being really comfortable. And I'm getting there. I'm getting there. I feel like I'm not quite there yet, but I'm getting there. Don't forget that to learn more about Danielle or any other Diferente guest, you can visit our website, diferentepodcast.com. And make sure you're following us on Instagram and Facebook at Diferente underscore podcast. I'm Maribel Quesada-Smith. Gracias por escuchar. Thank you for listening to Diferente. If you like this episode, let me know by leaving a five-star review and by sharing a screenshot of this podcast on Instagram or Facebook. Just don't forget to tag me at A Diferente Life so I can know you're listening. Hasta pronto!